When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Every day there are countless books and articles that are published offering the key on how to make your business a success. It's easy to feel overwhelmed trying to keep up and run your business. That's why Deb Creer created the Business Power Hour. Keep up on the latest trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And we are going to have a great discussion today with the wonderful Steve Blue. So thank you, Steve, for joining us. How are you doing today? It's my pleasure. I'm doing terrific. How about you? I'm hunky-dory, and we're recording this on a Friday, so you know you can't get much better than that, right? You can't. Well, let me tell people a little bit about you, and then we will dive into this. So Steve Blue is president and CEO of Miller Ingenuity, the leading expert in inventing, engineering, and delivering high-technology, safety-critical solutions for railway worker protection. He is an internationally recognized business transformation expert, media contributor, five times author, and dynamic keynote speaker. His expertise lies in transforming company cultures through innovation and investments in workforce growth. So again, Steve, welcome. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. That's uh, that's a pretty long profile of uh, about a 40-year career. You know, it's perfect, though, because it gives us just enough to really pique our interest. Um, So one of the things I always like to know is how did you get to where you are today? You know, and and, um, because you have had a 40 year career, you started when you were 10. We know. Um, And so, you know, tell us a little bit about your journey. You know, I I get asked that question a lot. People often say, well, how did you become a CEO? Which is, is which is a journey in and of itself, mm-hmm. and then they go, well, you know, how did you become a, a best-selling author of five books, mm-hmm. which is a journey of itself, right. and how did you become a professional speaker, uh, which is a, a journey in and of itself, mm-hmm. and uh, all of these lives and all of these careers are kind of interwoven, mm-hmm. and let me start with uh, the CEO <laughs> part of it first. Uh, as you know, you don't become a CEO overnight. It isn't uh, an easy transition, and, and it's not quick. Mm-hmm. It takes you a whole career. Uh, mm-hmm. And one of the things that uh, uh, stands out in my career, Deb, is that I've been most CEOs either grow up in marketing, or mm-hmm. they grow up in sometimes engineering, but not so much, or they grow up in finance, or they grow mm-hmm. up in sales. Right. Most often sales. So when they become CEOs, they only have one perspective, if you mm-hmm. will. I'm not saying right. it's bad, but they only have one. Right. It's just their uh, experience. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. And I, I've worked in all of those areas mm-hmm. over the course of 40 ah. years. 
And so when I when I ha- I'm confronted with an issue or a problem or an mm-hmm. opportunity, I, I I'm multidimensional. Okay. And I think <clears throat> most CEOs, if they want to be successful, they ought to spend time in different disciplines as mm-hmm. opposed to just one silo. Mm-hmm. It'll make them more successful that way. And I, uh, over the course of my career, uh, made a habit, Deb, of uh, looking for problems to solve, Mm -hmm. uh, especially problems that weren't mine to solve. Mm -hmm. And uh, that took me in some of the most out-of-the-way places in in the companies that I worked for, Mm -hmm. some of the really crummiest assignments, the toxic (laughs) places that nobody wanted Mm -hmm. to touch. Right. And I said, you know, I'll go do that. Mm -hmm. So uh, I built a career on uh, problem solving. Mm-hmm. And as most of your listeners will know, everybody wants a problem solver. Mm-hmm. I don't want a problem giver. Right. Certainly a not a problem maker. <laughs> exactly right. I want a problem solver. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that gave me the opportunity, in addition to learning how to recognize problems and issues and learning how to fix it. I know an organization, I know how an organization works inside mm-hmm. and out, mm-hmm. left and right, up and down. And so when I when I when I see something, I can instinctively know, okay, this is coming from there, or okay. this is coming because of this. <clears throat> and as my career progressed uh, from uh, supervisory uh, to you know senior leadership to finally a CEO, what would happen is uh, senior leaders before I became one would ask for me by name. Mm-hmm. I want to get blue in here, mm-hmm. so I, I moved around a lot, ah. and uh, my wife kind of hated it in the beginning. <laughs> Because they were short-term assignments. It'd right. be like a year. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'd move on to something else. Mm-hmm. So I, what I tell people all the time is if you want to become a CEO, it's a long, hard road. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you should want to build it that way so it's long and hard mm-hmm. so you, get, uh, you learn a lot. The other thing about uh, becoming a CEO, one thing I certainly found out is there are a lot of landmines along the way. Mm-hmm. A lot of people... Uh, dislike you because you're in a position where you're making decisions they don't like, mm-hmm. especially if you're trying to change a culture, mm-hmm. that's death. That is right. absolute death. I mean, I've had rocks thrown through my windows. I've had death threats. Mm-hmm. I've had uh, uh, extortion attempts, right. you name it. And I've because had all people don't like change. No, that's hard. Nobody like. I don't like it. You don't like it. Mm-hmm. Okay. If we're the change maker or giver, okay. Mm-hmm. But if it's happening to us, we don't like it. Right. Uh, and so I tell people, if you want to become a CEO, Strap on your flak jacket Mm -hmm. because it's going to be a really, really hard road. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so as as I went along, uh, I don't know, this is maybe 10 or 12 years ago. I'm thinking, you know what? I I ought to write a book about some of this stuff Mm -hmm. because I know a lot. Right. I'm not one of these uh, publishing uh, people that's uh, in search of a subject. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know myself. Almost the publisher parish type of mentality. Mm -hmm. Exactly right. And so I remember the first time on my first book, it wasn't very good, but it was my first book. Fine. I'm sitting in my family room and I'm on my laptop and I'm typing away on the book. And my wife comes around behind me. She goes, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm writing a book. You don't know anything. Why? Yeah. (laughs) Why would you do that? And I didn't want to tell her, Deb, because I knew what she was going to say. Mm -hmm. Again, you would have gotten why. (laughs) Yeah, exactly right. And so I I finished that first book. It wasn't very good, but it was a labor of love. Okay, mm-hmm. I didn't expect much to happen mm-hmm. to it. And uh, and then as I got to my second, so my first book was self-published. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I sort of getting gotten into the, uh, my feet went into the publishing mm-hmm. world. I started to understand how, how it worked and all that. And then my second book, uh, I can't remember if my second or my third was uh, published by a big publishing company, mm-hmm. Prager, Prager mm-hmm. Impen. And that was a whole different 
world. Mm-hmm. You know, the big publishers, as you probably know, they say, you know, you sign an agreement, right? Deliver 60,000 words, mm-hmm. got to be this, then fine. Mm-hmm. And uh, I learned that I don't like to, I like self-publishing better than I do working with the publishing house. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, I got to do all the marketing anyway. Right. They're not doing any of it. Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah, because well you're not, you know, a Stephen Covey. Exactly right. That's a different deal. Mm-hmm. And so as my as my writing progressed and as my publishing experience got better, my books got better. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd hire. I always hired an editor. Everybody, right. every good writer needs a good editor. Mm-hmm. And um, and then my 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 knowledge base as it broadened in the business world over mm-hmm. these years. Because even though I've been a CEO for oh, 25 years, mm-hmm. I've learned a lot about mm-hmm. being a CEO in those 25 years. Right. And, uh, by the time I got to the third book, I think was I, I co-authored with Jack Canfield, mm-hmm. and that well, that's was a, a name draw. we know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a big draw. That was mm-hmm. a great experience. I mean, uh, for people who don't know Jack, he's as nice as uh, in person mm-hmm. as he looks like when he's in the picture, and you see him in video and all. Just mm-hmm. a terrific guy. Uh, then the last book I published uh, was, you know, I want a lot of the publishing I've done, all a lot of the writing I've done is about culture mm-hmm. and it's about teamwork and all that. Some mm-hmm. CEOs go look at that. Don't talk to me about that stuff. Right. That, do- that doesn't pertain. Stuff. Exactly right. Give me the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. Give me something I can sink my teeth into. So I said, okay, fine. I'll give you that. Uh, I can make an argument that all of those, those mm-hmm. soft skills and soft concepts lead to the results. Right. Fine. So my last book uh, I, I wrote about three years ago, mm-hmm. uh, Metamorphosis, uh, basically had to go from a low tech company to a high tech company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I get about half of that's got, you know, the soft stuff in it. And mm-hmm. the other half has got what I've done with my own company, the hard mm-hmm. stuff. All right, exactly. Mm-hmm. How do you do this? How do you go on this okay. journey to go from dumb metal to uh, highly sophisticated products, which is mm-hmm. what, we, what, what we make now? And the speaking part of it uh, was just, you know, just seemed to make sense that because I was uh, a prolific author and had lots mm-hmm. of you know, experience and all that, that I, uh, so I, I perfected my craft of public speaking. Mm-hmm. I worked a lot on my platform skills. Mm-hmm. I practiced, 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 practiced. I got in front, of, just like, you know, you see in all the how-to books. Right. I start off with the Kiwanis Club. Mm-hmm. Talk about, you know, something. For free. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. Anything. Anybody will let you talk, you go and talk. Right. And you might get some chicken out of it if you're lucky. <laughs> exactly. There's some rubber chicken. Yeah. So then uh, over the years, uh, I, you know, my platform skills improved and my, my mm-hmm. uh, credibility improved to the point mm-hmm. where now I do, you know, keynote speeches. Mm-hmm. Some of them I do uh, uh, custom. Uh, I don't like mm-hmm. doing custom speeches. I mm-hmm. did one for a major medical device manufacturer a year, I think about a year ago, mm-hmm. where they said, we want, we're having this big event mm-hmm. and we want to talk about this and we want you to talk about that. So make a speech, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're a professional speaker too. I just soon take something off the shelf I mm-hmm. got and do it. Mm-hmm. The custom stuff is, it was a pain in the butt. I'm glad I did it, but it takes mm-hmm. a lot more work, you know, because you mm-hmm. have to tailor it to what they want mm-hmm. uh, and so forth. And, um, uh, so that's how the speaking uh, career progressed, and all of those mm-hmm. came come to come together. They they uh, complement each other. Professional speaker mm-hmm. exposes me to other authors. Uh, my authorship expo- exposes mm-hmm. me to professional speakers. And as the old saying goes, Deb, uh, uh, the more you teach, the more you learn about right. what you're teaching. Mm-hmm. That uh, helped me a lot to uh, kind of refine my thinking, and then mm-hmm. the, the books and the speakers feeds back into my business, and mm-hmm. vice versa. And that's 
Right. Yeah. As, as you're learning from there, then it is enhancing your, your effectiveness as a CEO at your business. Exactly right. That's exactly right. So that was a long, it was a 40 year road or maybe actually, I think it's a 45 year road. Most people don't have the stomach for it. Right. I tell people you better, you know, you, you may not have the stomach to become mm-hmm. a CEO because it's a hard road mm-hmm. to get there. And after you get there, it doesn't get any easier. Mm-hmm. You, know, you think, ah, I'm a CEO. How right. I, got I have people. I have exactly. people. <laughs> exactly right. One of the things I teach them is uh, anytime you start thinking you got this thing down pat, then mm-hmm. you can relax, then you're missing something. Right. Every time I've felt that way, mm-hmm. something bad happened in the business. Mm-hmm. Now I don't wait for that. Whenever mm-hmm. I start feeling cocky, I go, okay, what am I missing here? Mm-hmm. Let me go find him. Right. CEO's job doesn't get easier the longer mm-hmm. that you're longer you're in it. Right. You know, and, and I've talked with, you know, small business owners and then business owners from from much larger businesses. And one of the things we've talked about is the fact that at you know, when you are that senior level, and especially if you are the CEO, the president, the owner of the company, mm-hmm. one of the biggest issues that they often have is that little word delegating. Yeah. You know, they yeah. still think that they have to be in charge of everything. Um, so how do you you get around that? You know, the delegating, that's a really good point, Deb. Um, if you're smart, you delegate, mm-hmm. right? Now, I've got, uh, I have, here, here's sort of the average month for me. I've got senior leaders in marketing and sales, mm-hmm. engineering operations, and the CFO and all that good stuff. And uh, I let them run their own show. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really let them run their own show. I don't mm-hmm. know where they are at any given moment in time. Right. I don't care where they mm-hmm. are. I don't know what they're doing. I don't mm-hmm. care what they're doing. Because you trust them. Exactly right. And the key is to make sure you get really good people and mm-hmm. uh, give them the tools they need and the freedom they need mm-hmm. and get the heck out of their way. Mm-hmm. So on an average month for me, Deb, uh, I only meet with these guys formally once a month. Ah. We, we have a business review once a month and mm-hmm. they're all over the world, right? We have mm-hmm. business review once mm-hmm. a month and we go a top to bottom review of everything in the business, mm-hmm. right? Uh, deep dive. What are the margins? What are the products? What's mm-hmm. happening in engineering? What's going on with operations? What are the opportunities, et cetera, et cetera? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the financials, of course. Mm-hmm. And that's the only time I do a deep dive in the business. And, mm-hmm. I, and I and I don't do very deep in terms of I don't jump in and go, hey, wait a minute. Yeah, wait a minute. You ordered 10 pencils here. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. And so I let these guys do it. And uh, once you have, get the right team in place to do that, uh, you they, they're so fulfilled in what they do. Mm-hmm. My wife said something to me the other day about, you know, I said, you know what? I, I'm i kind of liking being a CEO. I, I do what I want. I do it when I want. I, I mm-hmm. have to meet with my board four times a year mm-hmm. and answer some questions. Fine. Uh, but I have the freedom to do whatever I want mm-hmm. and, and accountability, of course. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, my wife uh, remarked to me uh, not long ago, I said, that's the freedom you give these guys too. Mm-hmm. And right. that's why I... Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, my CFO has been with me 24 years. Ah, mm-hmm. My senior VP of sales and marketing has been with me 16 or 17 mm-hmm. years. My engineering guy has been with me like 20. Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys are so satisfied with what mm-hmm. they do because that's what everybody wants, right? right. Yeah, yeah. You you don't want to be, you know, and, and it's at whatever level, starting over every couple of years. Right. Exactly right. But a lot of CEO, a lot of senior leaders, they're not, they're not uh, secure enough mm-hmm. to delegate. 
Right. They think they think they're smarter than everybody else, mm-hmm. and they're not. But they think they are, and they're the only one who knows the right way to do it. I know, and, and that's the problem. And so mm-hmm. they figure if I'm not digging deep and like mm-hmm. pull, pulling all the strings, things are going to go wrong. Well, I got mm-hmm. news for you: when you're digging deep and pulling the strings, things are going to go wrong mm-hmm. because you were digging deep mm-hmm. and pulling the strings. Right, and you caused problems. Absolutely. Um, you know, Absolutely. and and because yeah, especially because you're going to go well. Now that's not how I would have done it. Right. And and then there goes that string that you're pulling. Well, it was working perfectly fine, maybe even better. Yeah, but well, yeah. yeah, the second you pulled that yeah. string, it was like, uh oh, now we got a problem. Well, I'll give you an example. And then when you start pulling strings, people are always looking over their shoulders mm-hmm. about what right. they're gonna they're, then they're gonna come to you and mm-hmm. say, What do you want me to do about mm-hmm. this? Right. I'll give you an example. It's a perfect example of what we're talking about. I was into the uh, uh my office on a Saturday morning, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, as I pulled up into the parking lot, I could see there was a U-Haul truck at the loading dock. And that's mm-hmm. weird because we use commercial carriers. Right. right? We don't do U-Hauls, right? Mm-hmm. So my curiosity got the best of me. So I mm-hmm. walked out to the loading dock and there's about a half a dozen guys there. Some people from the factory, some people from engineering, mm-hmm. a couple of people for ship from shipping. That. I can't remember if they're pulling something off mm-hmm. or putting something on. And I said, I'm just curious, guys, what's going on here? I don't see mm-hmm. U-Hauls often. And they said, well, you know what? We had the certain... Uh, Part electronic, mm-hmm. uh, hard to get part. Mm-hmm. We couldn't get it in time to make a customer commitment from our mm-hmm. usual channel. So we called all over the country until we found somebody who had the part. And then we rented a U-Haul and mm-hmm. we went and got it and brought it back yeah. here. And I'm thinking to myself, this is hyperbole, of course. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, who authorized you guys to rent a U-Haul? Right. Yeah. Nobody. Where'd that expense come from? Exactly right. And the answer to that, but they knew they could do it because that's the kind of culture we have here and mm-hmm. that's the kind of freedom people have. Right. And so if I had, if they came to me and said, hey, we don't know where this, we're, we're going to miss the shipment because we can't find mm-hmm. this part. I go, well, w- what do we do? I wouldn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. people ask me all the time, Deb, how does your team do what they do? And I mm-hmm. say, I have no idea. <laughs> I right. really don't know. But again, you you know, it's going to be fine. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Yep. So I just stay out. I just stay out of the way and it mm-hmm. works and it's easier on me and it's easier on them too. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I remember I had a guest on several years ago and I need to look up his name uh, because uh, he he uh, owns a very large company, uh, you know, many hundred employees. Mm-hmm. And he said he had achieved his ultimate goal. And I, of course, said, oh, right. um, yeah. and he said, I can go on vacation and not worry. Yeah. And and I thought, you know, that's exactly it. And and he said, you know, does he check in a little bit? Sure. Yeah, but right. it's not I'm going to check my email every day. Um, you know, and 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 he said more than anything, they they know that they can um his employees can contact him obviously if there is a major issue. Right. But they also know that he trusts them to just do it. Um, right. you know, and, and so they might send him an email and say, Hey, you know, this is what happened right. and, and everything. But he said, for the most part, no, they, they do not, um, you know, when he gets back, you know, they, everybody fills him in, but he said, yeah, you know, that, that was the ultimate thing yeah. to be able to say, you know, I'm, I am on vacation and I'm on vacation, you know, right. um, right. you know, and, and, and I love that. You know, uh, and you can't lob their head off when they come to you with a problem either. Right. Mm-hmm. You do that for one time and they, they will never bring you a problem mm-hmm. again. You right. won't find out about mm-hmm. it until yeah. it just uh, yeah. kind of and explodes. They all, you know, it, it, kind of along those same lines, they also have to be empowered to make those mistakes. Of um, you know, and, and, and then you have to know, okay, 
if I have to get involved, they'll ask me to, but they can probably solve it on my own yeah. or on their yeah. own. Mm-hmm. They're, they're better. They're better off. You stay, if I stay out of mm-hmm. it, I remember one mm-hmm. time I, I'm in a me, I care. It was a business review meeting and I started digging in on something I ought not to be digging in on. Right. Mm-hmm. You're so pulling I those strings. <laughs> yeah. I, I jumped in on it. And mm-hmm. uh, then I sort of stopped myself and I said, I said, I, I probably shouldn't get involved in this. And mm-hmm. my guy said, Yep, you're right. You mm-hmm. shouldn't. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then I backed off. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and it's funny as as we are talking about this um, earlier today, the the news came out that Elon Musk had hired a CEO for Twitter. I saw that, and and of course now everybody's all a Twitter with trying to know who it is because all he did was you know said she, so now everybody's like, oh cool, it's going to be a woman, yeah. um, and you know everybody's trying to guess who it is, but you know and and. He had, you know, he had said he would do this because, you know, <laughs> all of his people were quitting. And and more importantly, he was losing money, um, yeah. you know, and, and but I find it interesting. And we all know this was going to happen, right? He yeah. will still be the executive chairman and chief technology officer. And so I'm wondering what the Vegas odds are on how how long the CEO lasts. Not long. Yeah. You know, and, and, be, and, and I mean, that is part of him. I mean, you know, whoever is taking this job, they're not doing it, you know, blindly. They know what he is and his fingers are in every pie. Um, You know, he is definitely one of those who good and bad is just incredibly involved with his companies. But yeah, you know, it just, I, when I saw this, I thought, yeah, poor lady, (laughs) hopefully she gets a really big golden parachute for, you know, not, and you know, and his whole philosophy is just not what most CEOs do. You know, this, you, you will, you will stay in the office. You'll spend the night there. Right. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, all of those things in the end. Um, but yeah, he, he is the, the opposite of what you've been talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Clearly it's been successful for him, yeah. but oh, kind yeah. of at what cost? Mm-hmm. Far be it for me to uh, criticize the richest person on right. the planet. Mm-hmm. But, but it does uh, make I you couldn't. wonder, could he have done better yeah. if he had empowered his employees and, and you know, and, and just kind of stopped the tinkering? Um, well, a guy like him figures, I'm smarter than everybody else. Mm-hmm. And, he, he, is, and he, he kind of is. I mean, we he all know. Is. Uh, but mm-hmm. um, he can't be smarter than everybody else right. on the planet. Mm-hmm. And so he probably acts that way. And uh, I, I, I conclude the same thing that mm-hmm. when I saw that announcement, I go, sounds like he's still in charge. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Father and hiring this person. For. Yeah. So he and, and you know, it was the, the stories that I read. It said he he kept his promise of naming a CEO. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, OK. Um, but, you know, and, and you look at people like, say, Warren Buffett, who mm-hmm. is the opposite. You know, yeah. he is exactly what you have been saying. You know, it's yeah. he he empowers. He steps back and he knows that he has the people in place to do what needs to be done. Yeah, that's right. You know, and, yep. and of course, it worked out pretty well for him too. Oh, I, yeah. What, what's the stock worth now? Ten bazillion dollars a share. I know, I lots and lots of zeros. That more than I can afford. I know. Yeah, and one, right? One, you know, it right. was. I remember when when people would tell me they bought one, right. <laughs> you know? yeah. and you were like, "Really? I, yeah. I you know I own three hundred shares of whatever." And they said, "Let me tell you what Berkshire Hathaway is worth." Oh, <laughs> yeah, right. That's a whole different deal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. But it is about, you know, it trusting and empowering your employees. It and, is, and yeah. um, you know, it, but 
it's you know we we can't get away from the the discussion about covid i mean you know that was one of those situations where we could plan i mean you know companies can certainly plan for a crisis mm-hmm. you know um and i have done crisis management planning before what happens if say the the uh, water uh, sprinkler system goes off yeah. um, in your building. Um, what if there's snowstorms? What if your CEO keels over dead? Mm-hmm. You know, all of these various things. Um, but nothing could have prepared us for being yeah. shut completely down for many companies. Um, so how did you, you know, what what did you learn from all of that? I mean, I'm assuming that your company was considered to be um, a, a vital company, and yeah. so you were allowed to to have people working. But you know what? What you know? Because you talk about all of a sudden, every all the power just kind of went all sorts of different places, yeah. and the authority. Um, so, how did you deal with that? Well, it's interesting you ask because I just wrote a piece about this. Up for, I can't remember if it was Fast Company or Industry Week. Mm-hmm. One of those two. And uh, the question was the question that I posed to the readership was uh, the pandemic is a metaphor for the next crisis that you can't count on. It's mm-hmm. coming to your right. business. You, you mm-hmm. couldn't possibly. Because it'll happen. I mean, you know, we remember September 11th. Exactly. Um, and I, uh, even though we were considered an essential business, mm-hmm. uh, you have a really big problem and all of a sudden 40% of your sales goes away. Right. Which is what happened to us mm-hmm. and happened to a lot of other companies. Mm-hmm. And the reason that most companies, I shouldn't say most, a lot of companies didn't survive the pandemic is because their balance sheets, it's really simple. Their balance sheets were weak. Right. When they, they, went they into the financially pandemic. could not survive. Exactly. Right. And I, 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 when I wrote this piece, I said, actually, when we got through the pandemic, our balance sheet was stronger than when we went in. Ooh. And uh, that catches people's attention, mm-hmm. and especially mm-hmm. my board. It was like, wow. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. <clears throat> And so what I tell people all the time is what you need to, you don't know what the next thing is, okay? Mm-hmm. It could be our friends in the government, if we learned anything in the mm-hmm. pandemic was they can do any damn thing they want. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it, you know, federal and state level, because right. that was what got confusing also. And and you work multi-states and multi-countries. So that right. had to be very confusing. It used to be, you know, uh, I had a business in Argentina once and I, and I sold it because, you know, the government's unreliable mm-hmm. and, you know, and fickle and, and mm-hmm. reckless and all that kind of stuff. And it used to be, well, you know what, you got to be careful in these other countries because the government could do something really nasty <laughs> to you. Well, you got to be careful in the United States mm-hmm. now. Right. They can do the mm-hmm. same thing. So I uh, the, the, the piece I wrote was, okay. Let's assume for a minute that the, your friends in the government outlaws one of your major products. Just right. tell us you can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Is that possible? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. If you don't believe Ask that, like, say, some of the pharmaceutical companies. Exactly right. And if you don't believe that after the pandemic, you're a fool. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's one scenario. Another, you know, you can't imagine all the scenarios, right? right? A, a, com- a competitor emerges in a place that you never even knew mm-hmm. they were coming from, mm-hmm. right? A perfect example is my company, uh, our uh flagship electronic product is called zone guard it's a mm. roadway worker safety protection system mm. we weren't in that market we didn't do anything mm. even close to that and then all of a sudden well it wasn't all of a sudden it was mm. years in the making we popped into the marketplace mm. from an adjacent place where people would mm. never expect us right and the guys that uh that didn't expect us are struggling now because they mm. never expected us mm-hmm. so the most important thing that i tell ceos all the time is the number one thing you have to do is be sure that your balance sheet is strong. Right. That's the only thing mm-hmm. that you can rely on to defend against the, mm-hmm. the uh, vagaries and the uncertainties mm-hmm. of the next pandemic. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you do that? It's real easy. You know, get rid of your debt. Mm-hmm. 
Right. It's really easy. And, and have money in the bank or exactly right. the equivalent. Exactly. Mm-hmm. exactly right. I mean, our balance sheet is so strong. It's just, is uh, our our financials and ratios are just mm-hmm. absolutely die for. Mm-hmm. They've always been good, mm-hmm. but I set about to making them better over the last 20, mm-hmm. 25 years. And uh, if I have a choice between borrowing money or not, I don't. Right. If I have a choice between taking big risks and not, I don't. Mm-hmm. Little risks, of course, you have right. to take risks. You have to. I mean, that's part of doing business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that the most important thing is to uh, get, and that, that, that can be a multi-year process if you have a weak balance sheet, mm-hmm. but it can be done. If you if you say no to some things, mm-hmm. but uh, there was uh, I, I wrote an article for uh, Harvard Business Review the other day about uh, just because you can take business doesn't mean that you should. Right. A lot of CEOs got this strange, twisted notion that more of the bigger your company is, mm-hmm. the better it is. You know, mm-hmm. and you know that the compensation schemes, the hay system is built on mm-hmm. you know numbers of people working for you and all that. So it's 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 madness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know of a company I, I won't name them that uh, had a great business model. Mm-hmm. They had a huge need and niche in the marketplace. They uh, it sat- satisfied a big problem, mm-hmm. and then they went about opening up locations all over the United States. Ah, mm-hmm. Then they ran out of cash. Mm-hmm. They and expanded they go, they go, too quickly. Exactly mm-hmm. right, and they'll go belly up. And their their mm-hmm. philosophy was uh, all sales are good sales. I'll mm-hmm. take more sales. I'll take more sales. Right. And what I say to CEOs is no. Profit is what you ought mm-hmm. to be focusing on. Right. Your, your bottom line mm-hmm. ought to be profit. That's what you ought to measure everybody mm-hmm. on. Right. And it's amazing. And sales and profit are not the same thing. Not even close to being the same thing. I'll give you an example, Deb. I do not compensate my sales guys on orders. Mm. My sales guys, along with everybody else in the mm-hmm. company, are their their incentive. They have you know face mm-hmm. competition. Right. Mm-hmm. Incentive is based entirely on uh, did we make our budgeted profit number, mm. and that's it. Mm-hmm. Okay, now every department will have their own internal goals mm-hmm. and all that, but mm-hmm. especially bigger companies, it's madness. Right? They have uh, the manufacturing guy gets compensated to mm-hmm. shove stuff out the back door, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, no matter what it is, right? Mm-hmm. The quality guy gets compensated to make sure nothing mm-hmm. goes out the back door because mm-hmm. it might be bad, mm-hmm. might have a quality mm-hmm. problem. Right. And the sales guys get compensated for, you know, uh, collecting orders, no matter what the margin is, mm-hmm. no matter what the price, it's, mm-hmm. it's madness. All these organizational parts just sort of working against each other. Mm-hmm. So I, I tell people all the time, they, you should have one metric in your company mm-hmm. that everybody gets measured on, and that's called profit. Mm-hmm. And you'd be amazed at how that changes behavior. Mm-hmm especially from the sales guy. Right. Yeah, because then it's about teamwork. Exactly right. That's exactly the point because then if everybody's pulling the same boat together with mm-hmm. the same oars for the same profit, then people then mm-hmm. they I'll give you an example. I used to work for a company where the manufacturing guy uh at the end of the month, 2 days before the end of the mm-hmm. month, he'd load up a bunch of semi trailers with product that hadn't been sold yet and he'd uh, have them drive around town. Mm-hmm. until the first of the month, and then he'd have them come back and unload mm-hmm. everything that they just drove around town with. Why? Because he got compensated for product that went out the back door. Ah, not what came back in. Exactly right. I mean, and, and, and that's what happens. People make do all kinds of dumb stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they when, when, you don't, when you're not looking at profit, they cook mm-hmm. the books. They have all kinds of really mm-hmm. dumb things that they do. But big companies, they, they, it's madness the way they, they uh, measure each mm-hmm. other. You know, and it, it's, you're right. When you, when you level that playing field, 
then everybody is in it to help everybody else as opposed to how can I, you know, I'm the only one that I'm going to be paying attention to. I'll give you a perfect example. We're on a calendar year, a financial year is a calendar Mm -hmm. year. And it was, I don't know, December 23rd or something like that. Mm-hmm. And we were in danger of not making the uh, operating income number for the year. Oh, it was coming down to like the last mm-hmm. week. So not much anybody's going to do anything about anything seven days. Right. Left. And and especially with the holidays and all of that. That's Exactly right. Mm-hmm. So I'm walking through the factory. Now, bear in mind, this is a factory. Mm-hmm. And one of the factory employees came up to me because everybody knows where we are in mm-hmm. relation to operating income. Mm-hmm. Right. Because uh, that's forward. another important part. If you, you have, have transparency, exactly. then people are, okay, we, we can do this now. Right. So I'm walking out in the factory and one of the factory workers comes up to me and goes, Steve, I'm really worried and we're not going to make our profit this year. Now imagine that, a factory mm-hmm. employee really right. worried about making the profit mm-hmm. number this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I said, yeah, I, I kind of am too. I said, but we'll see how. And he said, what can I do to help mm-hmm. make sure that we make that number? Mm-hmm. And that's the power right. of one, mm-hmm. letting them know where mm-hmm. you are, and two, mm-hmm. uh, incentivizing every because they're all working together. Right. I had a guy once in an all-employee meeting said to me, he said, well, you know, it's one thing if I do my job, but if they're not doing their job over there, I said, that's why. Not you my fault. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. I said, that's why you all got the same number. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. care whose job it is, and you mm-hmm. shouldn't either. Everybody has to pull together. And you should be doing what it takes to make sure they can do what it takes. Exactly right. Exactly. But but if he was getting compensated mm-hmm. in his department and he was getting compensated in his, mm-hmm. you'll never get teamwork. Right. Right. It's very simple. I tell CEOs, mm-hmm. if you want teamwork, very simple. Mm-hmm. Give them all one metric where they mm-hmm. have to roll together or they all die. Right. It's, it's a simple process. Definitely. You know, and I always ask my guests for, you know, topic points that they want to make sure they cover. And I'm guessing that this is right along in with this where you say to create a Cirque du Soleil culture. Yeah, yeah. So talk to us a little bit more about, about why it is that. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> you've seen a Cirque du Soleil performance, mm-hmm. I assume. Mm-hmm. Most people have, right? So you got all these performers and they're swinging through the, you know, they got <laughs> ladders. They're and like, you talk about death defying, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, what you don't see is the guy uh, that's going to catch the other guy, right? You don't mm-hmm. see him going, I don't feel like catching yeah. you too. Eh. Right? You know. I don't uh, like him. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. I don't like you, or I'm having a bad day. Mm-hmm. You, you don't mm-hmm. see that, right? And Cirque du Soleil performers come to work every single day, mm-hmm. all jazzed up to do better today than they did yesterday. Right. right? And I tell CEOs, you you want to have a Cirque du Soleil like culture. Mm-hmm. And then the first thing I get is a blind stare, and it's like. This is a business, kid. This makes yeah. no sense. It's mm-hmm. not a circus. I said, mm-hmm. well, maybe if you treat it might be, it might seem like a circus on occasion, but <laughs> <Yeah. you know. laughs> that it does. Mm-hmm. If you, if you, it's a model you have you mm-hmm. have in your head, and mm-hmm. so if you examine the Cirque du Soleil performers, uh, and uh, what they're all incentivized to have a fabulous show. Mm-hmm. The one guy is not incentivized to be a good rope jumper or a good fire right. breather or whatever it is mm-hmm. they do. They're all incentivized to come together mm-hmm. and uh, create a, a spectacular experience mm-hmm. for the customer. And therefore, they do. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't treat your employees that mm-hmm. way, if you treat your employees as silos mm-hmm. that should be worried about their own little thing mm-hmm. and, and not worried, not jazzed up about coming mm-hmm. to work, they're going to act that way. Right. So I tell people all the time. Try to create a Cirque du Soleil-like mm-hmm. culture, and everything else will take care of itself. Right, right. I mean, in my factory, every single employee is trained on every single job. Mm-hmm. 
you don't have to you don't have to you don't have to say well we're going to fall behind on this product because the guys that are trained to do it aren't, aren't here today or mm-hmm. whatever today and they all swarm to an area that they get mm-hmm. together every morning and mm-hmm. they swarm to the area that has orders today because mm-hmm. not every company has orders for every product right. every day mm-hmm. and tomorrow they'll swarm to mm-hmm. another all swarm to another mm-hmm. place once they've seen what mm-hmm. needs to get done in the business and that's right. what i call a cirque de soleil mm-hmm. culture right well and it's also Nobody is more important than somebody else. That's right. You know, the, the person doing the whoop-de-woos is just as important as the person who's catching them. Or, exactly. well, I don't know. Maybe the person catching them is more important. I don't important. know. It depends on if you're the catcher or yeah, the catcher. Yeah, you know, if you're going to go splat, you might. But but it yeah. is, you know, it's it's that whole teamwork thing. And and I'm guessing in a lot of this, you know, the, the people at Cirque, they can do multiple things, too. You know, okay, tomorrow you're going to be the whoop-de-doo guy and you're going to be the catcher, Um, you know, and and so, yeah, they they can fill all of those roles so that there's never a hole. Right. And you made a good point, Deb, about one person is not any more important than another. Mm -hmm. I uh, I can't remember who I wrote this for a long time ago. Bill O'Reilly got fired. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, he uh, he was just, you know, uh, larger than life. And whatever Mm -hmm. he did, he was causing all kinds Mm -hmm. of discontent, heartache, mm-hmm. and God knows what else in the organization. And uh, sales guys are really bad at this. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of companies. Yeah, you, the company couldn't exist without your sales exactly guys. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. And if you got a sales guy that uh, I had one once that he, he'd come up with this idea and he'd drag the organization around mm-hmm. with it. And it created havoc in the factory with mm-hmm. engineering. And it's, we're chasing this thing. And no matter what it costs, you got to get it done. Blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And I tried to convince them that, you know, the the chaos and destruction that you're mm-hmm. creating in the organization is not worth the right. sales that you're chasing. Mm-hmm. And he wouldn't come along, so I had to fire him. Mm. And that set a very strong, you know, it's not mm-hmm. what a CEO says, it's what a CEO does. Right. And that created a very mm-hmm. strong impression in the organization because without even talking about it, because you can't, mm-hmm. people understood why I let him go. Right. And uh, and that helps people understand, mm-hmm. well, yeah, okay, because... You know, I, I give another example. Uh, I call it "there are no cool kids." Now you remember when you were in high school, right? Right. I, I wasn't a cool kid. I was not either. <laughs> you know, there were cool kids and there were uh-huh. not cool kids. I was not a cool kid, so mm-hmm. I understand what that's like. And uh, when we started going down the path of morphing into an elect- high technology company, mm-hmm. we s- did and still have you know lower tech products because mm-hmm. that's sort of what you know right. pays the way as mm-hmm. you're developing new mm-hmm. things. The last thing I could afford or would want would be the people on the Mm low-tech side to think they were not the cool kids, Mm -hmm. and the people on the Mm high-tech side thinking they were the cool kids, Mm because all that will do is create discontent Mm -hmm. and discord in the organization. So I went way out of my way, like an an example in an employee meeting, I would uh, always say, there are no cool kids. Mm -hmm. And while I love what what the high-tech guys are doing, I Mm -hmm. want everybody here to understand that you guys over here on the lower-tech side, you're the ones paying the bills. Mm -hmm. Right. And you're the ones creating, the mm-hmm. enabling the process mm-hmm. for them to do what they do. Because uh, if you have different classifications, and the unions are great for this. They love mm-hmm. to have different classifications. Right. Mm-hmm. A million classifications, mm-hmm. they get more dues that way. And mm-hmm. it drives yeah, because there's different division. levels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. It drives dissent and division mm-hmm. within the company, which mm-hmm. is what they thrive on. So mm-hmm. that's the last thing you want. And it starts with the structure. Mm-hmm. Most companies say they want teamwork, mm-hmm. but they do everything to prevent it. Right. I want teamwork. I want teamwork, mm-hmm. but I will. But sales cannot talk to marketing, who cannot right. talk to R and D, who cannot. Yeah, exactly. mm-hmm. 
But I, but I, I want teamwork, but uh, I'm going to do uh, individual performance assessments. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do team performance assessments, right? So on the one hand, the company says they want teamwork, but on the other hand, they, they do individual performance mm-hmm. assessments. Make, I don't do it that way. We don't do mm-hmm. it that way at all. Mm-hmm. We assess the entire team. Mm-hmm. And if the entire team is doing well, mm-hmm. everybody gets goodies. Right. The entire team is. But, you know, that's most companies, and they find all kinds of rules and regulations mm-hmm. and ways to discourage teamwork, even mm-hmm. though they swear they want it. They just, they, right. it's just, it's trendy to say mm-hmm. you want teamwork. Mm-hmm. Right. It's hard to do it. Right. But, but yeah, when your high performers are incentivized to help and bring up the low performers, yeah. you know, because it's, it's a, like you said, it's you, you, uh, you're, you're judging the team as opposed to the people. Mm-hmm. It raises everybody. And I think, it you does. know, we still have to be competitive. Um, you know, yeah. it, it, part, of, part of this comes back to, uh, you know, when you've got little kids playing soccer and you're not going to keep track of the score. I always love people who do that because I look at them and I say, yeah, you as the parent might not, but I can I can bet you money that every one of those kids knew exactly how many goals have been scored. Right. Um, you know, and, and so competitiveness is what drives innovation in many mm-hmm. ways. But yep. there are certainly ways to do it where there's it's positive as opposed to, you know, something that that just creates conflict. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, actually it's kind of easy, really. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, the first thing, you know, and, and I'm lucky because uh, I'm a, what am I? A baby boomer. Right. Mm-hmm. So I ought to be. By all rights, I ought to be stuck in the old mentality. Right. But this is the job. way we've always done it. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. And you do your job and you don't complain mm-hmm. about it and you like it and all kinds of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'm not. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I can easily transpose myself between millennials and mm-hmm. how they think, the Gen Zs and how mm-hmm. they think, and all the way up to uh, uh, the, uh, the baby boomer type. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you get stuck in one mindset. Uh, it's hard to run a company these days. When you've got a mm-hmm. diversity of views and mm-hmm. a diversity of employees like you've never had mm-hmm. before. Right. Innovation is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Most CEOs will say, I want innovation. Right. Yeah, but you go out and do it now, yes, right? Yes, you make it happen. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. They, they mm-hmm. but, but they don't enable it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, when I decided my company needed to be more innovative, and mm-hmm. probably every company does, mm-hmm. no matter where you are. I didn't just decree it. I, I brought in a guy. Uh, you'll find this interesting because most people think it's weird. I brought in a guy that used to be the chief creativity officer for the QVC network. Oh, right? interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, you probably know what the mm-hmm. QVC network mm-hmm. is, right? It's a shopping network. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, so he, he, he now is a, a consultant that teaches mm-hmm. the principles of creativity. Mm-hmm. I brought him in and I had him teach every single employee in the company the principles of creativity. Mm-hmm. Every single employee, mm-hmm. not just the engineers, because they're already supposed to be creative, and mm-hmm. uh, not just the factory people. Mm-hmm. And because I, you know, factory people, if you're not mm-hmm. careful, think they check their brains at the door, mm-hmm. and that's what you want. Mm-hmm. So I brought him and we taught every single employee from the ground up, starting with brainstorming. Mm-hmm. Right. All right, that's fine. And then he came in every two or three months and he'd give them a problem to work on. And mm-hmm. then they'd work on it, go through the process and all kinds of stuff. After a while, they started doing it on their own mm. without anybody asking mm-hmm. them to and uh, without anybody telling them to. Mm-hmm. And one day uh, I'm walking through the factory and one of the employees came up to me and he said, you know what? This creativity stuff, we really like it. Mm-hmm. It's fun. People, yeah. When you give people freedom mm-hmm. to think for themselves, mm-hmm. it's amazing what, what good happens. Mm-hmm. And he said, 
you know, we could do it even better if you would create a space uh, that's dedicated to nothing but that. Oh. And I looked at him and I said, hmm, let me make sure I got this straight now. You want me to take a space in my factory where I mm-hmm. actually make money mm-hmm. and you want me to turn it into a think tank. Mm-hmm. And about this time, he's thinking, I probably should have kept my mouth shut. And I said, I love it. Mm-hmm. So I spent a half a million dollars creating mm-hmm. a space right in the middle of the factory. I didn't do it up right. where the offices mm-hmm. were. I did it right in the middle of the factory. Mm-hmm. Because it's an all-person thing; it's not a mm-hmm. white-collar thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> and then after that space was done, people are allowed to go in there anytime they want. Mm-hmm. They don't have to go in there, but they're allowed to go in there. Any and it's it's very conducive to thinking mm-hmm. about stuff. It's very high-tech enabled and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they can stop whatever they're doing anytime they want. Gather whatever people they want mm-hmm. to do whatever they want to either solve a problem or create a, a, an opportunity, whatever mm-hmm. they want. And they don't have to ask anybody's permission. Mm-hmm. And they do it all the time. Right. But they also, I'm sure, know when it's appropriate. You know, it's like, okay, we're not going to pull these people who are working on something important, you know, or time critical, maybe, you know, but, but yeah. And again, that's that empowering thing. It is the empowering thing. And I, I, my mother, God rest her soul, when she was alive, when she heard about this, she goes, oh, geez, how are you going to There he goes again. You better not let him do that, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the key is uh, whether it's the we call it the creation station. They, mm-hmm. they the employees named it. Uh, the key is if you have to worry about somebody's doing the right thing or not, mm-hmm. you got the wrong somebody. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where you start. You have to mm-hmm. back up and, and make sure you have that. Mm-hmm. When, when we hire people anywhere, their uh, co-worker, potential co-workers interview them. Uh-huh. The, the boss doesn't get to interview anybody. Mm-hmm. Really. He, you know, here's what the assessment right. and all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. Uh, and I don't have any, the factory is a perfect example. I have no managers in the mm. factory. Mm-hmm. It's completely self, self-organized. Mm-hmm. It's completely, and uh, before someone gets hired, they get uh, interviewed by the, mm-hmm. their peers, potential peers, and that they decide whether they're going to come in or not. Mm-hmm. And then those same people evaluate them yeah. over time. Mm-hmm. Not some supervisor. Right, who so that, just sees bits and pieces, if that, of what they do. Exactly right. Yeah, so that's the, uh, that's just a little anecdote on mm-hmm. uh, innovation. If CEO mm-hmm. wants innovation, and everyone should, mm-hmm. uh, they have to enable it. They have to right. fund it. Mm-hmm. They have to reinforce it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have to uh, allow people the time and the freedom to mm-hmm. uh, employ that. Right, right. And there's obviously going to be things that don't work. Mm. So then the key is to figure out why it didn't work. You know, Was it because we yeah. didn't have the right people, the right resources, the right whatever's? So yep. could we make it work? Or, whoops, <laughs> that was a boondoggle. <laughs> well, you know, it depends on what it is. That's a good point. Uh, 90, I used to know the specific uh, specific number, uh, like 97% of all new product uh, uh, initiatives fail. Mm-hmm. Right. They just do. For whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you ought not to be upset when they don't. Mm-hmm. And you ought not to, you ought to make sure your board is mm-hmm. uh, amped up for they probably right. won't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people people expect, you know, if you're going to spend a lot of money on seminar, it, it just doesn't. I mean, right. you look at Microsoft, mm-hmm. Apple, any of them, oh, they yeah. all most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, uh, we were talking before the, the program. I work a lot in the social media world. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, it's it's always interesting to see the people who want to be whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the best examples is Google. They tried three times to be to have something very similar to Facebook. 
Now, you know that they had more money than, you know, yeah. whatever to, yep. to pour into that, mm-hmm. but it never worked. Um, and I think a big part of that was because everybody went, but we like Facebook. Why would we leave here? <laughs> and and so they were creating a product that there was no need for, right. um, you know, and, and I think that's one of the biggest first steps that you need to take is, you know, am I creating something that I think is nifty, yeah. but everybody else goes, eh. <laughs> yeah, and, and it, it has to be a very methodical, analytical process. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we entered the uh, safety space, <laughs> we 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 spent a lot of time with a mm-hmm. lot of spreadsheets and mm-hmm. a lot of data to make sure. Okay, what are the cut? To, to this is to mm-hmm. your need point. What are the competition out mm-hmm. there? Who's got patents? Who doesn't right. have patents? What are mm-hmm. the patents on? What's this, that, and the other thing? We spent months and months and mm-hmm. months and months and lots of money making sure we mm-hmm. understood. Right. Whether this thing was worth getting into mm-hmm. or not. Now, a lot of companies, they don't do that. They just take the leap and go, mm-hmm. yeah, we need to do this. So let's just go and do it. And they right. waste a ton of money. Right. You know, and sad to say to everybody's ego out there, nothing is unique any longer. Nothing's new in the world. Yeah. You know, and, and you might think what you are doing is unique <clears throat> just because you've never heard of somebody else doing yeah, it. Yeah. But, you know, that is part of that, that research is finding out, yeah, okay, yeah. you know, there is something different. I mean, you know, there, there are still things that are innovative, you know, I mean, Apple would obviously be one of the biggest examples yeah. of that when they yeah. said, Hey, we're going to make this little bitty thing and you can put a thousand songs in your pocket. Nobody else was doing that, but they right. also knew just because they were first didn't mean they were going to be best. Now they are still pretty much, you know, top dog, but at the same point, they knew that other people were going to immediately start doing it too. Of course. Yeah. So one of the things that that you, you know, in, in your notes to me um, was the $10 million employee. Tell us a little bit more about that. I love this story. Uh, not because I wrote it, but because I just love the story. In fact, I think I was my second book. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can see this or not. I know your viewers won't be. Oh, able. yes, the $10 million employee. Yeah. <laughs> see this guy right there? Uh-huh. Uh, I uh, paid for that image, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't steal it. Right. And when my, my mother saw this book, mm-hmm. she looks at that. She goes, oh, people are going to think that's you. <laughs> right. No, oh, no. Mm-hmm. But but here's the, what, what spurred me to write this book was mm-hmm. uh, my family and I, many, many years ago, we're uh, staying in a hotel. It's mm-hmm. late at night. I don't remember the brand. I, I don't name brands anymore because mm-hmm. I'm into trouble. But we walked in the hotel late at night. My kids are little, mm-hmm. five and six, something like that. And um, we were tired, tired after a long mm-hmm. day. And this hotel was magnificent. Mm-hmm. Mahogany and on the desk and marble on the floors. And they had the warm chocolate chip cookies. It, it was just wonderful, right? Mm-hmm. So I, uh, family and I went upstairs and uh, we wanted to get some room service, right? Mm-hmm. So I called and called and called and called and nobody's mm-hmm. answering the room mm-hmm. service phone. Has this happened to you? Of course it has, Of right? course. Mm-hmm. And my kids are crankier now, mm-hmm. you know, because they're hungry. They're so hangry. Cool. Yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. I said, okay, Mr. CEO, dad, I'm going to, I'll just go down mm-hmm. to the restaurant myself and get right. it and, and everything will be fine. Mm-hmm. I get in the elevator and much to my delight was the room service person because oh. she had a big tray of stuff right. and mm-hmm. i said god it's my lucky day i was mm-hmm. just she goes uh i said any uh, any chance of me getting some room service day she goes fat chance of that oh. oh and she goes you know what 
uh, they expect me to cook the food and they expect me to deliver it too. And, and I hate this job. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. And, and so, you're thinking, well, I don't want to eat that food. <laughs> exactly right. And so I'm thinking, you know, this uh, the subtitle of my book is when your most uh, toxic liability meets your most important customer. Mm-hmm. Toxic liability right. being this. So, mm-hmm. yes. And you were the most important customer. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. Because in the hotel business, everybody mm-hmm. is. Right. Because right? then mm-hmm. they tell all their friends. So mm-hmm. anyway, so then I, okay, I resigned myself to go back upstairs and face the families, mm-hmm. which is not an easy task. Mm-hmm. Mr. Big Shot CEO is going to yeah. solve. You're, you're trying to figure out where the vending machines and I can at least take them <laughs> some chips. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. So uh, about this time, the kids are <clears throat> pulling a hide bed couch out and mm-hmm. there's no sheets and there's no blankets. There's no <laughs> It's 11 o'clock at night now, oh. 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And so uh, about this time, I'm thinking the likelihood of me getting this solved now is like nil. Mm-hmm. And about now, I've decided I'll never come back to that hotel mm-hmm. again. I'll never go to that hotel chain yep. because of that toxic employee. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> this $10 million employee, this $10 million mm-hmm. hotel is being wrecked by one single mm-hmm. employee, mm-hmm. right? Right. <clears throat> so then I called the front desk. Mm-hmm. And how often if you call the front desk, they say they'll fix something for you. They don't. Right. We'll be right with you. <clears throat> this guy was up in 10 minutes oh. with a smile on his face oh. with, with new sheets and new blankets and apologizing all mm-hmm. over hell because of the inconvenience. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he comped me the room that night. Oh, my. So they right. went way mm-hmm. up in your estimation. Exactly mm-hmm. right. So the one $10 million toxic employee, mm-hmm. one employee almost wrecked that $10 million mm-hmm. hotel investment mm-hmm. and the other employee uh, saved us. So I tell people all the time. You better make sure you don't have $10 million toxic employees mm-hmm. in your organization. And don't tell me somebody doesn't know who they are. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Somebody knows who they are. Mm-hmm. They're just not doing anything about mm-hmm. it. Right. You know, and <clears throat> it, it's it, it was made more difficult with the pandemic, especially when, um, you know, your people are still in-house because mm-hmm. it is a factory. But um, but yeah, when so many people were off-site, and I've talked about this on the program before where I was talking to somebody and we were a month maybe into the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And he was really struggling because first of all, he was a micromanager. So, you know, his head was about to explode because his yeah. employees were not where he could reach out and touch them. Yeah. Um, and um, But mm-hmm. he also, he told me, he said, I don't trust that they're going to get the work done. Oh boy. And oh boy. and 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 he was wanting to put the computer program on where they could track and see what people were doing. Um you know and, and I love the people who said, "Yeah, I let my 3-year-old sit there and pound away on <laughs> I mean, you know, stuff like that." Um but but you know and and he said, "Yeah, they were, and I said, you know, obviously you're going to do what you're going to do." I said, "But did you trust them when they were in the office?" And he paused. And I thought, oh, that's not a good pause. Um, You know, because if he did, he would have immediately said, well, of course I did. But when he had to stop and think about it, um, I told him, I said, you have an entirely different problem. You know, if you didn't trust them then, then they are probably not going to be trustworthy now. But you need to figure out why you didn't trust them. Right. You know, and and um, and he didn't last long. I mean, his I think his little head did explode, and and that well, was that. You know, the, que- the question is: Are you the problem? Is are they the problem? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Had he had he created such a culture where people knew no matter what they were doing, it was going to be wrong, or you know, and and we've all worked for bosses like that, right? And those oh, are such fun people. Ugh. Oh God, I. The, I'm not so smart, but uh, because I've been around a long time, I've seen some, a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've learned more from bad bosses than right. I ever learned from. Mm-hmm. I learned from both. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, some of the experiences I had with really bad bosses were just horrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, uh, to the point where I, I would be nauseated to go into work. Right. Mm-hmm. That bad. I mean, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I uh, worked for seven years in a turnaround. Mm-hmm. And uh, anybody who's never worked in a turnaround doesn't know what real stress is. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. you know, we, we used to have to decide between t- paying the utility bill or paying employees. I mean, it was that, that was tough. That, and is. that kind mm-hmm. of that kind of situation will bring out the worst in mm-hmm. people. Right. And the guy that I worked for, it definitely brought out the worst mm-hmm. in him. It was just, you know, it was, it was just right. the way he treated people mm-hmm. and the way he, he was mistrustful of everyone mm-hmm. was just, and we were all good guys. At least mm-hmm. we thought we were. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and I mean, it really is, it, it comes back to the, and I, I, you know, laugh about this happy wife, happy life, Yeah. happy employees, happy company. Yep, um, you know, when when you are treating your employees with respect, yep. trusting them, all of those things, then they are going to do a much better job. Yep. Um, you know, I'm in Atlanta, which is, of course, the home of Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I love it when I go through the drive through and they all say it's my pleasure to serve you or some you know variation mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. And but but you know when the poor person has said it like nine hundred times that day, <laughs> it's my pleasure to serve yeah. you. Um, and so there are times where I'll go really, and it's funny because they always laugh. Um, and then they you know but but you know they also know there that if somebody comes in and says I want one chicken nugget, they can sell them one chicken really? nugget. Hmm. Um, and you know and and yeah they've you know all of these various things and so you know they are empowered to do that. Now, are you going to go in and order one chicken nugget? Well, maybe just to see if you can, but yeah. it's not something you normally do. Right. Um, um, but yeah, you know, maybe you're in there with a small child who's only going to eat two chicken nuggets. Well, you right. don't want to buy the eight pack or whatever and throw a bunch of them away. Sure. Um, you know, and, and <clears throat> so, but you know, and, and we've all heard about organizations where, in, you know, the employees are empowered yep. and, and of course, when the employees are happy, the customers are happy. Absolutely. So. That well, reminds me of the FedEx story when the guy rented a helicopter. You mm-hmm. probably read that story years uh-huh. ago. Mm-hmm. Guy was empowered to rent a helicopter mm-hmm. to, to make a delivery. I mean, who told him he could do that? Well, nobody. I don't know if they're that way anymore, but they certainly. Eh, probably not. But <clears throat> probably you know. not. Mm-hmm. But but yeah. Well, oh my gosh, Steve, this has been such a great discussion. And and one of the things I wanted to ask about that we did not have time for, so I have to have you on again, is how technology has evolved through the years, especially with what you do, um, you know, with, with all of, especially, you know, the robotics and, and all of those various things. I mean, now that one of the stories this week was Wendy's is going to start, you know, somehow using robotics to take orders and, and, um, you know, and, and all those things. So, you know, I'd love to have you on again to talk more about this because I think it's just such a great subject for everyone. But, you know, tell us how people find you and and work with you. And we will have a, a link to um, your Metamorphosis book um, yep. in the show notes. But, you know, tell us a little bit more about, you know, finding you and reaching you and connecting with you. Well, probably the easiest way is my uh, personal website, okay. only because that's easier to spell than mm-hmm. Miller Ingenuity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but StephenLBlue.com, and that'll okay. be in the show notes. Mm-hmm. That links to Miller Ingenuity, and my, my sizzle reel is on there, and how to contact me and all that. That's mm-hmm. probably the best way to mm-hmm. do it. I uh, I don't do a lot of keynotes anymore, mm-hmm. uh, but I do them. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I don't do much is consulting Mm-hmm. Uh, because I found consulting is, you know, they don't really want to hear what you have to say. Right. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I remember one time I did one and I told the guy, the CEO, 
Mm -hmm. uh, I said, you need to pay me in advance mm -hmm. before I step, set foot in the door. Mm -hmm. and, and Because you might not like what I tell you. And I, I was even stronger in that, Deb. Mm -hmm. I said, because what's going to happen within 30 minutes of me asking mm -hmm. questions and nosing around, your guys are going to come to you and say, you got to get that maniac out of here before he wrecks <laughs> What's the he doing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, and I said, I know that's going to happen. I've been around mm -hmm. a long time. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, I don't do much consulting if someone's really motivated. Mm -hmm. I will. But if it's like my board told me I got to mm -hmm. talk to somebody like you, I, I'm mm -hmm. not going to bother with that. Right. Right. So great. Well, again, your website is Stephen L. Blue.com. Yep. Um, and, and so that's great. Well, until we chat again, do you have any final thoughts that you want to leave everyone with? Yeah, I, I do. Especially, I get asked a lot of young people, you know, how should I build a career? And I say, you should build your career the hard way. Hard way being, go take all the crummy assignments, get all over the organization. Don't go for glitz and glory uh, and just go wherever they need you. And if you if you do that and wait, you will you'll be amazed at what will happen to your career. I love it. Such wise words. Well, I am Deb Creer. I've been having a great conversation with Steve Blue, who is the president and CEO of Miller Ingenuity. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C-Suite Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>